Good morning. It's a real blessing to be a part of a local congregation that the Lord has blessed with so many servants' hearts. It's, it's truly amazing to me. Logan, you did a great job this morning. That was an excellent lesson. How many agree that was excellent? Very right on. That was great. Uh, in fact, I mean, it, it coincides a lot with what uh, uh, I was uh, going to share this morning. So I'm going to just step down and let you finish what you're... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, I really do appreciate the, the teachers and the preachers that we have here. It's, it's tremendous. I appreciate the, the servant's heart. I was talking with uh, someone the other day. Uh, in regards to their shift work. And uh, they were talking about there's two shifts. There's a morning shift and there's an afternoon evening shift. And the, and the morning shift and the evening shift have two different personalities. Now we're talking about groups of people. And, and the morning shift, they're selfish, they're self-serving, they're lazy. They, they don't want to help anybody. And so someone might be working hard and, and everybody's kind of looking at them like, well, tough for you. Uh, I got my job done. They're, they're not willing to help. But the afternoon, evening group, they're fantastic. They're just so into helping each other. And there's a great uh, esprit de corps, as it were. And I love this assembly, this body, this group of people. I mean, people are willing to step up and help when there's a need, regardless of what that might be. You know, Rick jumps up, knowing that some of the guys that are usually up moving around aren't. He jumps up, he grabs the trash barrel to put all of the, the things. And that's just, that's just amazing how that is this kind of body, this kind of family. That's so important. And I just want to encourage you more and more. It's really important that we recognize the value of community. You know, in the, in the old days when things were really hard, it was the local community, the local neighbors that came together to raise up barns, you know, to, to, and, and, and whatnot. It's just amazing how that community mindset really is powerful. And the church is a community. And, and my concern is, as we continue to look at what may come, I mean, both, both uh, guys that came up here talked about what may come in the future. We don't really know. It just seems pretty suspect of what might be in the future. But uh, as Christians, we have the answers. Please don't leave. I'm staying the course here. You know, Paul went into some of the darkest places in the world at that time. Uh, Philippi was a very dark, dark city, uh, a colony of Romans, and, and they were polytheistic. And uh, there, it was so bad that even the Jewish people weren't able to establish a synagogue there. So it was very dark. Paul goes into that city because there was someone in a vision he had calling out to him for help. And I believe there's people here in Oregon just like that. They're just dying to know the truth. And unfortunately, in this dark place, you know, who is going to share that with them? We are. And so I'm thankful for this body. So I want to encourage you. And uh, there's lots of notes of encouragement here. And I think this first theme that we did back in 2018 is still as valid today and maybe even more so today. As we see, you know, a lot of people are leaving the state of Oregon because they want to go other places where it's not so dark. But the darkness seems to be being drawn in. So it's kind of weird how that works. So 
Anyway, I want to encourage you to stay the course. An old farmer keeps telling me to stay the course. And so uh, I'm going to stay the course. Scott, Miriam, Elijah, Emma, for your amazing hospitality week after week. I think it might be coming from, what's your papa, grandpa? What is What, are the, what do the boys call you? Papa. Papa, okay. Uh, Ken Weiber, there you go. All right, Logan, excellent job with your prayer meditations. Only been here for the last two, but they have been very encouraging. Jacob. All right, good job, Jake. Encouraging, great job. Hey, here's another one. Logan, exclamation point. That was an awesome lesson on being the light to pierce the darkness in this world and the encouragement for the brethren to excel in being the light for each other. You're, you're becoming an excellent, excellent teacher. I think the pulpit needs a preacher, so I'm just kind of lobbying for someone like you. All right, maybe you. Mrs. Compton, I love seeing your smiling face. And you are very encouraging and kind. Do, you do so many great things. She takes care of this knucklehead, so she's pretty cool. All right. Karen, so thankful for you in the many ways you serve the body. Amen to that one. You're, you're everywhere. You're just, whenever I'm, there you are. You're serving. Praise the Lord. Mrs. Bragg, are you watching, Mrs. Bragg? I hope you're watching. This is Mrs. Bragg. You are very sweet and kind. And we think that way of you even when you're not here. So that's a, that's a really amazing telling truth. You're giving excellent hugs, or you give excellent hugs, and that's why you need to be here. Uh, you seem to be... You seem to do many incredible things. I love your encouraging spirit. Amen. That's not for me, but I, I agree. Good job. Okay. Any other words of encouragement? You know what? I'm going to sneak another one up here, Mr. Weibert. That was good. Hey, here we go. Announcements. Uh, first announcement is I didn't get the December calendar done, so listen very carefully. Okay. Uh, tonight, evening assembly will be at the Kirkpatrick's place, but this will be the last Sunday of November, so we're changing next Sunday night. We'll be at Tamara Dunprow's place. November or December 1st is this coming Wednesday, so we're going to be at Tamara's place this Wednesday at 7 o'clock for evening assembly. I've been going through the book of Hebrews and uh, working through expository lessons on Hebrews. And uh, I just love the book of Hebrews. It's so powerful. And we really do need the hope and the power that the book of Hebrews gives to us right now. College Aid Group, tomorrow night, contemplates for 5.45 for dinner. I almost said 4.45. Sorry, honey. 5.45 for dinner. And uh, also, too, we're going to continue our study of the scriptures and uh, we're going to be taking a look at the many manuscripts that there are available that you can actually see. Uh, they have uh, are that predate uh, the, the coming of Christ in the flesh. And so we can know that both Old and New Testament are of God. So ladies, study this Thursday night. I haven't heard any different. If so, Mrs. Uh, Parks, uh, let uh, Mrs. Compton, she'll tell me later. And then finally, the Christmas party. Uh, is December 15th, Wednesday, three Wednesdays from this coming Wednesday. So uh, there's been some question on whether we should have a, uh, a white elephant gift giving uh, part of the party. And so I'm open to any, uh, not right now, uh, any come up and talk to me and say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm okay with that if you say that. 
Uh, I will not participate. I don't believe in Christmas. Uh, that's okay, too. Uh, I believe in the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, so anyway, if you're interested, great. If you're not, well, I still love you, and you're incredible, too. So the thing is actually all about the gift of Christ Jesus. Amen? That's what it's about. So it's a potluck, not a party. It's a potluck, but if you want a party, let me know. What time? Six o'clock dinner. Seven o'clock preaching. 7.45 party. I don't know. We'll see. So it's, it still remains. That's still a question mark up in the air. All right. Thank you for those, those who came out early and started a fire. I appreciate it. Hey, Jake, would you mind grabbing my coat? Yeah, it's a great fire. <laughs> it's awesome. It's, it's just hotter up here. We need a fan right there. So, thank you, sir. Isn't it hot right back there by the, the fire? I figured. Okay. All right. Are there any other announcements? It's Desi's uh, uh, birthday coming up this week, so don't let me forget next week that we need to, to sing happy birthday. When she was a little kid, she used to remind me every year it was December 3rd, I think it is. Second. Oh, see, I missed. I forgot. I knew it was right there. So we're right on the cusp. Thursday. So everybody call her on Thursday and wish her a happy birthday. That'd be great. All right. Any others? Anything else? Going once, going twice. All right. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, as we continue to look at examples in the scripture of men and women who were so perseverant over the years and the challenges and the difficulties that they faced. Of course, Father, there are so many examples that are really tremendous. In fact, examples that you have set before us in the scriptures as ones that we can look to and we can emulate, we can follow. And so I would pray once again this morning as we've looked at Job and we've looked at Noah in the Old Testament, as we turn our attention to the Apostle Paul and next week, uh, continuing in the New Testament, you would help us to realize, dear Heavenly Father, there is a consistent pattern, a consistent theme that those who are able to endure, those who are able to persevere are men and women of integrity, those of great character, those who've put their hope and their trust and their faith in you. Father, help us to see that once again today and help us to recognize that each one of us has a part to play in helping the rest of the body grow strong for the times in the future where challenges and difficulties and trials uh, will come. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, there's a great passage of Scripture there in verse 10 and 11. And uh, I would hazard to read verse 12, but I'm not going to. That will come to for a later lesson. But look at verse 10 and 11. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the young man, Timothy. Here's what he says. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord 
rescued me. Now, someone was kind of joking around me about, I always preach a three-point sermon. I'm sorry to tell you, but my brain thinks in that way. So there are obvious three points in these two verses. I, I hope you're not too upset. A, a three-point sermon. Sometimes I do a two-point sermon, and sometimes a one-point sermon. I never preach without a point. I don't do pointless sermons, although I know some <laughs> preachers who do. I won't do that. And so... Let's look at the point number one. And this is the running theme that I have found as I've looked at different people that God has kind of lifted up and said, I want you to look at this guy. I want you to look at this guy. We're going to do that next week. Ladies, I don't want you to feel like you're being left out. Okay. Uh, I, I want you to take a look at this guy because, and I'm going to give you lots of details and examples about his life so that you can see how he was able to endure. Well, point number one, look at it. Paul's res resolute character emulated. He had such a character that was unrelenting. No matter how badly things went, he did not give up. You know, I've talked about this before. Quitters never win and winners never quit. See, this guy was going to win the day. He talks about athletics all over the place and that he's going to power through and, and win the wreath that is uh, saved or secured in heaven for him. And when he finally finishes the course in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, I finished the course. I've run the race. There's now laid up for me the crown. But not only for me, for all those who've loved the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so it's important for us to recognize this morning that if you are going to persevere in difficult times, you need to prepare up front. You need to become a man or woman of great integrity because he who is faithful in a little thing will be faithful in much. Amen? Jesus said that. He who is unfaithful in a little thing, when the pressure really comes on, they're going to bail. Now, Jesus didn't say that, but he said, he who is unfaithful in a little thing will be unfaithful in much. So you got to be faithful in the little things. You have to power through in the little challenges and the little difficulties. If your day isn't going the way that you planned it, guess what? God planned your day differently. Embrace the way your day is going. Learn from the challenges and the difficulties. If you brought those difficulties on yourself, change what you do next time. If you haven't brought those difficulties on yourself, change your attitude about them. So you see, so in both cases, you have the power of controlling self in regards to the situation. Paul was that man. Let's take a look. Notice he says here, you followed my, and he lists all these things. I, I want you to take some time and think about the things that Paul was, not just for Timothy, but he was that for Silas. He was that for uh, Aristarchus. He was that for, well, you just start naming the number of people. Is that for Luke? Is that for uh, Demas? He was that for so many. Gaius. He was that for so many people. He intentionally chose to lead. That's exactly what this is saying. The word teaching there. Words of instruction on how to live and conduct oneself. In other words, Paul actually said, you know what? I'm going to teach you how to live a life so that you can stay the course. 
And I give you a few scriptures there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. That's a powerful one. In fact, turn there really quickly in regards to Paul's teaching. He basically says, here's what I want you to focus on. Philippians and chapter 4 and verse 8 and 9. He says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute or good reputation, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, I want you to think or dwell on these things. Think about these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Notice he says, learned, received, heard, and seen. You practice those things. Remember, he said, you be imitators of me as I am of Christ Jesus. Paul was intentional in living a life so that others could follow him. That's a scary thing. How many of you go, yeah, be imitators of me as I am of Christ Jesus? You're saying, mm, I don't think I can say that. Why not? Well, you know why not. Because you're not being intentional in every way. That's the reason I don't go, hey, just follow me, man. You'll get to heaven. Now, I'm working really hard at perfecting what God has called me to, as he's called you to as well. I own my mistakes. How many of you know that? I own my mistakes. How many times have I called many of you more than once? Said I blew it again. Why? I, I, I don't want to deny that I haven't fallen short. I want to own it and I want to make a decision. I'm going to get past that. So Sunday nights, I always check my schedule to make sure that I got everybody's Bible study locked in. Yours is locked in. So, you know, you're there. Okay. And I've started a new routine. Before I go to bed, I look at my schedule for the next day. Pretty nostalgic. So I know that 5 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, I have a Bible study in Ukraine and Minsk at the same time. You know, kind of a, what do you call that? Uh, Zoom, Facebook, whatever it is. So I know that. So Wednesday, I'm up earlier than normal because I now I'm starting to do that. Why? Because I want to get better. I want to stop dropping the ball because I'm embarrassed. And I call Eric. Sorry, Eric, I'm supposed to be there. And I don't want to do that anymore. But if you don't own it, then you're not going to change it. So I want to be able to persevere when the things really get tough. So if I forget or I drop the ball, I want to just go, okay, I blew it. Let's get back up on a plane and let's keep working. It's so important for us to do that. I want to teach, but I want to live it as well. Look at the second one. You followed my teaching, but you followed my conduct. Now, what would you call a person that says one thing and does something different? What would you call that person? What was that? Got to be louder for the people in the audience. What would you call that? He called that a hypocrite. Paul was not a hypocrite. If he called people to do something, guess what he had already been doing? Jesus was the same way. He wasn't asking anybody to do something he hadn't already done. And so Paul says, you followed my teaching and my conduct. You know that I'm a man of integrity. You know I'm consistent. You know that I'm going to power through when challenging times come. I'm not running. That's a powerful statement. With the word conduct, 
to conduct oneself to be an example to follow. That word conduct, go back and study it in the Greek. I'm not going to give you the strongs and the binds. I'm not going to, you go back and look it up. It literally means you intentionally, deliberately choose conduct that's in alignment with God's word so that you can actually lead people in the right way. Church, if we're supposed to be the light like our brother Logan said, and the light is the magnificent character of Christ, his way of living, speaking, and doing, and brethren, we need to be intentional. So when people see us in the workplace, they'll go, I can follow that guy. I can be like her. And I know that I'm going to excel, not just in the workplace, but in my own personal integrity, my own personal virtue, and my relationships will become better. It's so important. Look at the, the word purpose. What was Paul's purpose? Well, what was Jesus's purpose? The scripture says Jesus's purpose was to come and to glorify his father in his body. That's why he said, when you've heard me and you've seen me, you've seen the father. But his purpose also had a mission. His purpose drove his mission. I'm going to glorify God so people can see what a godly man looks like. And then I'm going to preach the gospel so that other people can become like me. Christ ones, Christians. So the Apostle Paul, well, take a look with me. Go with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Go with me to 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. You see, he's not just talk, he's not just walk, but he's doing that with a purpose. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, and right, right at the very end, the last few verses, starting in verse 31, notice what Paul says. And he's encouraging the brethren in the city of Corinth. That was a pretty nasty, vile, sinful city. And the church kind of got a little bit of that ugly leaven of sin in the church. He's trying to help them get out of that mess. He says here, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, everything that you do, do all to the glory of God. In other words, so God is glorified. God is seen in whatever you do, where you work, where you play, at home, everywhere that God is seen in your life. He goes on and says, give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. In other words, don't open your mouth until you've thought about what you're going to say, especially in this environment. I mean, you could say something that you believe is absolutely, you know, tame as tame can be. You know, it's what they call vanilla, you know, it's just, and people freak out. So you got to be thoughtful. You know what? It says that the, the man of wisdom, his words are persuasive. Why? Because he knows what words to use. Oh yeah, you can hack somebody. Anybody can hack anybody. That's easy. But what about influencing them to see the truth? That takes a little bit more finesse. Amen? It takes a little bit more thought to bring them to the truth. You see, Jesus could have whacked those guys on the head with the law that drug that adulteress into the crowd. He, he could have said, you know, I do agree with the law of Moses, so where's the guy? And so you're condemning her? Interesting. And you're not following the law of Moses? You broke the law of Moses? Last time I checked, you break the law of Moses in one way, you're guilty of it all. How's about that, gentlemen? He didn't do that, did he? By the way, is that truth, what I just said? Yes. 
He could have condemned them right there. Could you open up your Bibles back to Exodus, gentlemen, you knuckleheads? Let's think. And he could have humiliated them and he could have damned them right then and there. Couldn't he? He didn't. He said, he who has no sin cast the first stone. So cool because they walked away what? Man, I'm in the wrong place in God's economy. It was great. They came to that themselves. I love the way Jesus does stuff. You see, the man of wisdom can say things in such a way that the point gets across. We are those people. We are those people. Do you know the word of God well enough to be those people? I have to be honest with you, man. I'm looking at Jesus. I'm looking at Jesus. How did he do that? And I look at both sides. He could have condemned them easily. But Jesus never condemned anybody when he was in a human body. Now, he will condemn people on the last day, amen? He came to seek and save the lost. That's our purpose. That's our mission, just like Jesus. Our purpose, our mission isn't to judge people into hell. It ne that's never our purpose, and that's never our mission. Our purpose is to seek and save the lost by glorifying God in our bodies. Now, let's look at the next one, faith. What kind of faith did Jesus have? Or excuse me, what kind of faith did Paul have? He had the same faith as Jesus. Remember what he said in Galatians 2.20? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this body, I live by the faith of Christ, the one who loved me and delivered himself up for me. In other words, his faith caused him to sacrifice himself. I love this next passage. Patience and love. Love is what? What's the very first thing? Love is patient. It's long-suffering. It's the same word. You know, people cause you to suffer long. Did you know that? People are the ones that cause you to suffer long. Just saying. Some of you are bonking. Yep. Well, of course they do. You have to put up with people. That's what the Bible says. Where's that? <laughs> Go back and there's a couple places. Ephesians 4 is one place. Colossians 3 is another. It literally says you have to put up with people. Seriously? Yeah, Paul was good with putting up with people. And he was good with loving them, even when they were unlovable. Do you think those people in Philippi were unlovable? The polytheistic? Oh, what about the people in Athens? Were they unlovable? <laughs> they were like so unlovable. Paul went in and he's angry. But what did he do? He told them how stupid they were? No, he didn't do that. Could he have? Yeah. He didn't though. He preached to them Jesus in a way they could understand. How many know Robert Frost? Who's Robert Frost? Anybody know Robert Frost? Who's Robert Frost, Cynthia? He's a great poet. He's an English poet. I'll give it, you know, him. I wish he was an American poet, but what an amazing poet, Robert. Maybe he was American. I'll have to go back and look. I love Robert Frost. Did you know some of his poems are very scriptural? Very scriptural. The Path Not Taken. How many know that one? That's a great poem. Is there a scriptural truth in that? Wow, there's a scriptural truth in that. You know what Paul did? He picked one of the poems that the Athenians knew, and he goes, remember this poem? He quotes a couple verses from it. And he says, you know what? I, I know that God is that way. And then, he, and of course, they're going, you know the... He's so amazing. 
Who was he following? Who was Paul following in his love for people? He could have trashed those people, but what did he do? He invited them in so that he could teach them the truth. Wow. I love looking at the scriptures that way. It teaches us how we can be to draw people out. We don't have to be, well, I know everything about the Bible, so sit down, shut up, and let me beat your head with it. No, that's not what Paul did. That's not what Jesus did. He, they drew people to him in a way that they could understand. That's what, that's what Paul is saying here. Man of character is going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul did that in his teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, and love. And he did that during the worst of times in his life. When's the best time to see the faith and love of Jesus? The best time to see the faith and the love of Jesus is when he is being spit on, his beard's being ripped out, he's being beaten mercilessly. Let's see what kind of faith you have, Jesus. Punch him in the face when he's blindfolded. Boom! Hey, if you're a prophet, prophesy, Jesus, who hit you? Right? Am I, am I correct? Jesus did not destroy them because he wanted them to have a chance. Here's what's really interesting. I don't know if you know this or not, but Roman protocol says this, is that when Jesus was being beaten mercilessly, the contingent of soldiers beating him were the contingent of soldiers that would take him to the cross and nail him on the cross and watch him. That was their commission. Kill this guy. There was a centurion, an officer to make sure that took place. They all watched this as they mercilessly brutalized him to death. And you know what they saw as he's bearing the cross? Ladies, please don't cry for me. Cry for yourself what's just coming. He sees him worried about his mom and his disciple. He, they even hear him ask whoever his father is to forgive us for what we're doing. We're just doing our job. And what did the Roman officer say? When Jesus breathed his last. Surely this man was the son of God. Did you know that's a death sentence as a Roman officer? That's a death sentence. Do you see the power of the picture of, of Jesus in his most difficult hour? Paul was the same way. I'm not going to go through all of the times that Paul just did amazing things in the, in, in the very intensity of the crush of persecution. But I want you to understand something is that it was tough to be a Christian back then. Hey man, if we're bailing over to Idaho or to Wyoming, I mean, if you do that, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to encourage you. I'm still going to support you. In fact, I might even come visit you every once in a while. Would you visit me in prison? I'm just asking. So I'm just saying, he, he would go into these places knowing that the crush was coming. I mean, take a look. It says here in the, such as, as it says there in, let's go back to 2 Timothy. I got a little excited on that point. I went off notes. Sorry, can you tell I got a little excited? It says here, uh, uh, and sufferings, persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me. Notice in your notes, such as happened to me in Acts 13 verses 1 through uh, Acts 14 and verse 28. Now, actually, he could have said that now. See, he had already experienced Acts 13, verse 1, through Acts 14 and verse 20. He'd already experienced it firsthand. He's saying, you were there, man. You saw it. What did Timothy see? What did he see? 
Let's go back and look really quickly. What did he see in Antioch? Well, Acts chapter 13. Let's take a look. We're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to read the snippet where it gets pretty ugly uh, with how friendly they were there in uh, uh, Antioch. They were just a, such a welcoming, wonderful group of people. So take a look in verse 44. This is after he preaches the gospel. And a lot of people, Gentiles and Jews, are coming to become Christians. And the Jews, of course, are like, wait a minute. We're losing all of our money. I mean, our, our, our disciples. See, they're freaking out. Look at verse 44. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and, and, and Barnabas uh, spoke out boldly and said, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you Jewish folks first since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. This is Old Testament now. I have placed you, Paul, Jesus first, you, Paul, uh, folks at Pleasant Hill Church Christ, as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the Lord. The, the, the word of the Lord and as many as been appointed to eternal life and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the whole region. Now it gets really exciting. But the Jews incited the devout women and prominent and leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet, protest against them and went to Iconium. Iconium is a much nicer city. It's just really, it's kind of like going from, from Eugene to Springfield. Much nicer. <laughs> Some of you are grinning. So if Brian was here, he would tell us that's not so. Well, let's jump down to uh, uh, chapter 14 and verse 4. Uh, it's really amazing. Well, let's verse 1 through verse 4. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in a manner that a large number of the people believed. They became Christians, both Jews and Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Therefore, they, we spent a long time there, uh, a long time there, speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who is testifying to the word of His grace granting that signs and wonders be done in their hands. But the people of the city were divided and some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they became aware of it and, and they fled the cities to Lyconia. Third time's a charm. I'm sure we're going to have a great welcome in Lyconia. Of course. Three, third time's a charm. First time, second time, not so good. Third time's a charm, right? Well, let me tell you, there's a pattern here. They run them out of Dodge in Antioch. They want to grab them and stone them in Lystra, or no, Iconium. Now what's going to happen in Lystra? Well, let's turn there real quick. Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. Only two little verses. 19 and 20. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and he entered the city. He went back into Lystra, where they, where they hated him. The next day, he went away with Barnabas to Derby. Now, Paul is not insane. He's a man of conviction. He's going to drive it through. 
Now, I want you to go back and take, well, take a look at the lesson plan here on the back page. Paul's defense of his calling and sincere service. It's so important for us to recognize and understand that Paul had given himself to serve the Lord. And when you give yourself to serve the Lord, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 says, all those who desire to give to live godly in Christ Jesus, what? We'll just have a wonderful life, bowls of cherries and rainbows. No. Persecution. Persecution. All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, in the United States right now, the persecution is very, very mild. I mean, it's extremely mild. It really is. You might be called an idiot for believing in, in uh, creation. You might be called a lunatic uh, for believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's about it. But in other countries in the world, it's not that way. So as our nation grows more godless, we need to recognize and understand those men and women in Rome were not godless. They were polytheistic. They had a bazillion gods, but it didn't include the God who created the universe. And that's why they were against the Christians because the Christians were talking about the God who created all mankind and how Jesus came and lived a standard for all mankind. And that standard is what people hate, the standard that Jesus lived. They hate it because it means they can't have their fun. I'll tell you what, all the garbage that I lived when I was a pagan pig, that was not fun. I thought it was because I was an idiot, but it wasn't. That's why more than once I considered suicide because of how horrible that life was. I love life now, and it's as hard as it gets, as tough as it gets to this day. But it might get tougher. I want to be faithful in little things. And you know what's really awesome? Is I don't have to do this on my own strength. I don't. I want you to consider that the Lord is going to be there every step of the way for you. The Lord was with Paul every step of the way. Let's look at the last point. The last point's relatively quick. The Lord rescued Paul, Paul from all of those things. He rescued from the disaster that was brewing in Antioch. They rescued him from what was going to happen in Iconium. He even rescued him from being stoned to death. It says, supposedly he died. They had smashed him so badly that it looked like, sure enough, we did the job. Woohoo! Rid the earth of that guy. But Paul was what? Rescued by Jesus. The word rescued is rather interesting. I don't know if you want to write this down by way of definition, but it means to, to, to draw one out. Uh, literally, to drag one out. To drag one out of what? Out of disaster. Jesus is in the business of dragging us out of disaster. We shouldn't get into the disaster intentionally. By serving the Lord, disaster will come and find us. 
Okay, just serve the Lord faithfully. Sooner or later, it will find you. And then he'll he'll get his job done, and then he'll drag you out. Now, by the way, he's saying, well, Jesus didn't do that every time for Paul. He got killed in Rome. Well, of course, because he was done with his tour of duty. He was done. I finished the course. He got everything done that Jesus had planned for him to get done. Of course, then it's time to, to go. And you know what's really awesome? Have you ever read 2 Timothy chapter 4 in the attitude of the Apostle Paul? He's on death row. He knows, he knows the day. He knows the hour. They've told him, hey, uh, you got to figure out what meal plan. This Thursday, we're cutting your head off, and we want to give you your last meal on, 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 when, on Wednesday night. So, hey, what's a meal plan? You only get green jello is all we got. Sorry. Oh, green jello. That wasn't what he was thinking. They do that in hospitals to torture you, not in Roman prisons. So he knew his, his head was on the chopping block. He's excited. I got her done. I'm going to go home. So notice, he continued faithful until the day that he knew he had completed the course and Jesus took him home. And even in that, brethren, even in his death, he proclaimed the greatness of God's faithfulness. Amen? That's who we are. That's who we are. That's who you are. Oh, I am? Yes, you are. Well, remember training for a marathon? You might not be able to run the marathon right now, but you got time. But make sure you're training for the marathon today, every day. Amen? Well, I want to close with this passage of Scripture. There's so many Scriptures I didn't cover here, really. I want to close with 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 8 through 11. It's rather interesting here as, as Paul uh, is teaching. Uh, we better, well, let's pick it up in verse 5. Verse 5 would be a good place to start. There's the, I was having a hard time figuring out where I want to jump into the middle of the conversation. Paul says, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Who provides the comfort? Jesus does. Look at verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. That's talking about Antioch, Lystra, and Iconium. He says, he says For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction uh, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead, who delivered us, who rescued us. It's the same word. Who rescued us from so great a peril of death and will rescue us. He on whom we have set our hope and he will yet rescue us. You also joining in helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf 
for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. You know, we can be praying right now. We can be praying right now that Jesus would in each of our lives rescue us from the great tribulations and trials that would come into our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't have any trials and tribulations, but that in those we could show the character of Christ, show the strength that we're going to be faithful in little things and big things, and as the saints are praying, so God moves in the prayers of what? A righteous man or woman. And so we begin to be able to show people what does a life in Christ really look like? Hope where there is no hope. Joy where there is no joy. Life where there is no life. Light where there is no light, only darkness. I asked God to send me anywhere but Eugene, and he sent me to Eugene. That was three months after I became a Christian. What a knucklehead I was. But God's working things out. I have a lovely bride, three sons. What a great church family. Man, this is awesome. This is heaven, man, on earth. This is great. You say, well, you're crazy. I'm not crazy. You see, we need to recognize it's understanding the truth of God's word. Eugene is the darkest city in the state of Oregon, and the state of Oregon is the darkest state in the union. Go check it out. The number of people who go to church, lowest number in Eugene, lowest numbers in the state of Oregon. You're saying, man, are you kidding me? Why are we living there? Because God brought you here. He did. I was living in Bend, the land of flowing with milk and honey and skiing. And I came to Eugene, you know. What's that about? Because God wanted me here. And, and if God says, okay, your tour of duty there is done. We're going to go to wherever. Okay, I'll go. But I haven't heard that voice. And I haven't seen any doors open. And I'm not even trying to kick them. Because okay. I don't want to force the issue. I want to do what God says. See, brethren, we need to recognize and understand that the Apostle Paul went through stuff that Jesus went through and he powered through because some people, well, Jesus could do because he's the son of God. Paul, Paul could do because he's a mighty apostle. Wait till next week. It's because stop making excuses. I, you say, are you judging me? I'm not judging you because you know what? Sometimes I make excuses. Just say it. So I got to knock that stuff off. You know, just buck up, dude. That's why there's an old farmer that keeps having to tell me, stay the course, stay the course. Praise God for that old farmer. Man, if I didn't have an old farmer in my life, I don't know. He's got gray hair now too, it's amazing. But I won't say any more because I don't want to get hurt. It's amazing, brethren. We need to stay the course, just like Paul, just like Jesus, just like those who've gone on before. I don't know about you, but this is the most exciting time to be alive. This is the most exciting time to be a Christian. This is the most important time for you to intentionally show the light of Christ as our brother shared with us. And this is the right place to do it. So while others are basking in the Bible belt, so we are shining the light of his glory here because that's where God has us. Amen? 
Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this great opportunity to serve, a great opportunity to show forth the great character of your son, Jesus Christ, the man Noah in his day, 100 years persevering, preaching the gospel. The good news is God is going to save us if we get in the boat. And only eight people followed through. And Job went through some of the most catastrophic struggles and trials against himself. And yet he endured and God blessed him. And we see the apostle Paul, a great man who was rendered, humbled before Jesus Christ and he gave himself fully in devotion to serve the Lord. And Father, he fought the good fight of faith and he's left us an example how thankful we are, Lord, for him. And we pray, Father, that as we would listen very carefully in the weeks to come about some other examples of people who aren't the great son of God, aren't the great apostle Paul, but are people who came online and invested themselves, dear Heavenly Father. I pray that we would see that we can too. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand up and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, let's go do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.